0: There's a few scriptures on the back that I want to start with. so I hope you do get one. Uh, although the Bible also works, the one on your phone, the one in the pew in front of you, there's a lot of ways to get to 1 Corinthians 11:28. and one of them is the back of the handout. We're going to be looking today at the examine of Ignatius Loyola. Um, Who's a Spanish speaker in here? Notice that funny spelling of examine at the top of the page there. That's that's because uh, Loyola was born in Spain, lived in Spain, so he spelled examine in a different way. But it's my understanding that that Spanish word means examination in english so or something quite close to that so he had a special way of expressing a self-examination and we're going to look at that Uh, hopefully we'll have time at the end here in fact we will make time if i put my my uh, phone out here so i can see the time excuse me Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we have about a half hour, a little better maybe, that we can can look at this. But uh, we will be talking to our neighbors here, and we're, we're going to begin in just a moment uh, doing that uh, after we read that one single verse. But when we read the single verse... Let's also take into consideration the context. Most of you will know the context of 1 Corinthians 11, 11, but you're also allowed to look at it. We're still having a few people coming in here. What a nice group this morning. Let's say a prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you. We love you. We're... Just thankful that we can gather here together and see you in each one of our neighbors. It's such a joy to know you and to love you. We pray that we would be aware of your presence in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, it, Lent is a time of self-examination. And in 1 Corinthians, I mean, the history of self-examination goes back to the beginning of Christianity and the scriptures uh, mention it in several places. I'm only going to look at three here. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, it says, Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Uh, Let's uh, find a few people around you to talk about the question of what does discerning the body mean? You're free to talk to the few people around you and talk about what is this, discerning the body, because it's relevant. That's what he's saying the examination is all about. (coughs) Obrigada. <coughs> I'd I'd love to have this go on even longer because everybody's jumping right in and having a great time talking about it. I love that um, discerning the body. Uh, in order to save a little time this morning, maybe I can. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's talking about being aware of other people around us, isn't it? To be uh, their needs, caring about people around us. Not just understanding that in this little piece of bread is the presence of Christ, but also that we're dealing with the presence of Christ by uh, each person that sits next to us and all the people that are here together in the group. So this examination of conscience takes on a different framework. It's not just, what did I do wrong? But it's more of, hey, let's be aware of the needs and of the people around us. Uh, what about 2 Corinthians thirteen five? Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Can't you see for yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you actually fail the test. Uh) uh-huh. Examination to check and see if Christ is in you. I mean, I'd love to let you talk about that, and I had planned to do that, and I'm sure you'd have wonderful thoughts on it. Um, but uh, if I let you talk each time, then we won't get to the exam. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, to see whether you're in the faith, what faith, what trust, what are we talking about here when he he says, in the faith, test yourselves. Somehow we have the ability to look inside and see if Christ is alive in us. That's that's a, a wonderful, amazing, miraculous thought that we can actually do that. I mean... Testing ourselves to see whether we're in the faith is not going down a list of propositional beliefs, I don't think. I don't think Paul's talking about that at all. He's talking about some life in us that tells us that Christ is in us. Look at the Galatians one. Each one should test, that would be self-examination, his own work. Then, we will have reason to, uh, then he will have reason to boast himself alone and not in someone else. So it's not like works are irrelevant. It's not like what we do is totally irrelevant. It seems that we're supposed to take a look at that too. And after we do, we can feel pretty good about it. What makes me think that? Is that, is that what Paul's saying here? He will have reason to boast in himself. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that word is probably glory in the Greek. But um, we can be happy about the fact that God has led us into behavior that blesses others. So these are the things we're looking for. We're looking, we're self-examining to see if we are aware of, of the needs and the people around us we're looking at uh, testing our own hearts to see if they're filled with the presence of Jesus and we are even looking at some of the things we've been doing lately in order to see whether that reflects the life of faith within us so <clears throat> uh, this Ignatius Loyola he was aware of these things he was. Uh, he went through experiences that led him to the place that people were looking to him and saying, "We would like to follow the Lord Jesus in a similar way that you follow the Lord Jesus, and uh, and and show us how to do it." Well, that's no small task, and he developed what was called the Ignatian. Uh, what what is the word that he used, exercises. And the people who, at first mostly men, I believe, who came to him to practice his way were coming from all sorts of experiences and levels of education. And he said, we'll start out with 30 days of exercises that will help you to... Gain an understanding of of your faith and who Christ is. So included in that was this concept of consolations and desolations. Many other things in the 30 days, which were 24 hours a day, came up. But consolations and desolations were part of his teaching. And as um, it seems to me the great insight of Ignatius, was that he uh, he realized that our feelings and our imaginations are capable of letting us know more about the presence of God in us. And he promoted the use of feelings. Look at your feelings. Name your feelings. Uh, what is it that you're that you're going through right now because it will help you to move into a greater awareness of God's presence and the work of God around you and in you. He he said some of your experiences are going to be consoling, consolations, other experiences not so much. The desolations he called them. And you should be Come aware of these inner movements uh, so that you can uh, um, allow God. It's not like you can control all of this stuff, but you can allow God to uh, take over those areas as you begin to see what's going on in yourself. Let's take a look at consolations. Consolations, he would say, would describe the interior state when we are moving in faith, hope, and love. That would be a consolation. And a desolation describes the interior movement toward doubt, fear, and anger. So how we feel is not as simple as I feel good or I feel happy. That's not quite what he's getting at. There's a little bit more. So, an example of consolation would be feeling the feeling I experience when I see myself being more consistently kind to others. Consolation doesn't necessarily mean I feel happier or more at peace, but it may include both of those feelings. If I have asked God for the grace of, more, of a more loving attitude toward my children or a more loving attitude toward my roommate or wife or husband and afterwards observe myself being more loving and forgiving in those relationships, then I'm experiencing consolation. When I experience myself as Christ-like and flowing with the Holy Spirit, This is consolation. I tend to feel free and alive. My relationships with others are typified by caring and compassion. Desire to help without being controlling. Intimacy is a word that begins to mean something. I find myself taking a risk to trust God and others, even myself. The fear of getting burned for trusting is not quite so overwhelming since I sense that whatever happens, I am ultimately safe in Christ. Inwardly, I live in a place of gently rising and falling waves. Discretion and wisdom are keeping me in balance. That's a kind of a possible description of, of consolation. Now, desolation is the other side of it. Desolation is... This, there's something about my inward... I look inward and I can't... I don't want to be there. You know, it's the same... It's discomfort with my own being... Within myself, I'm reluctant to turn toward my interior self. I'm not too interested in the state of my heart and my most inner being. But when, by the grace of God, I feel the necessity of looking inward, I see myself as an unpleasant person. I feel anxious and ashamed and judgmental toward myself and others. Any happiness is surface happiness, not the kind that might be described as deep joy or peace that passes understanding. The thought of Christ in me would seem strange, impossible, maybe unknowable. I, I could be cynical and uh, a, a simple sincerity and trust in God is, um, feels kind of beyond me Right in, uh, when I'm feeling desolation. I feel like running away from God and myself, and I look for distractions of all kinds. These days, of course, the Internet offers myriads of these possible uh, distractions. Uh, I don't think of my inner state or inter- interior movements, movements until God, in his mercy, gets my attention. So here's, here's a... a uh, I guess her name is Venita Hampton Wright, and she puts it this way. A person dwells in a state of desolation when she or he is moving away from God's active presence in the world. We know we are moving in this way when we sense the growth of resentment, ingratitude, selfishness, doubt, fear, and so on. If my outlook becomes increasingly gloomy and self-obsessed, I am in a state of desolation. I am resisting God, or if I active, if not actively resisting, I am being led away from God by other influences. If I'm in, in desolation, I might try to alleviate the discomfort by drinking, by working obsessively, or dashing from one social event to another, eating and drinking and other bodily pr- pleasures, even exercise feel good in the short run, but they are not leading me to greater joy, peace, and love. Instead, these activities help me avoid God's presence. Okay, consolation and desolation. Excuse me. In the practice, then, of the examine we're able to look into our hearts and see those movements of consolation and desolation, realize where we are, place ourselves in, you know, get an idea of where that is in us, and then we can begin to move by God's grace in in another direction. So the examination is a practice that can be thought of as a learning tool meant to sharpen our awareness of the Lord's work in us. We look back on our day to get a sense of where we are in the learning process. Jesus, at one point, looked at the crowds and said, you have eyes, but you do not see. You have ears, but you do not hear. What don't we see? The actual physical proximity of the kingdom of God. We don't see the light, which is God shining through everyone and everything around us. What don't we hear? The word of God comes into our ears, but we don't understand its meaning or application. In Psalm 19, uh, there's a description of the universal movement of God's word in all creation in the first few verses, especially uh, a, 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 a song that I dearly love. But in it, it says "The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Everything, everything around us is lit up with the presence of God and we're not seeing it. And, that is uh, the reason that we use tools like the examen to wake up our sight. Day after day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. The voice goes through all of the earth and their words to the end of the world, says the psalmist. So, all of this life in the world, all of this goodness of God, and we're missing it because we can't see through the mere physical surface of things into the living delight that God put into them. So, we can move to, <clears throat> excuse me, to the examine. Uh, often examination of conscience is, uh, It can be um, a a self condemning. It can be a focus on sin that uh, in such a way that we get stuck there. We're looking at our faults and our our bad points to the point uh, that uh, no good is done by it. Why? Because we're focused completely on ourselves. And the point of, of, of a, a, an examination like this is not to focus on ourselves. We've already seen that in the teachings of Paul that we just read when we started out. But <clears throat> it's, also, uh, it's also shown forth very clear in the way that Loyola is trying to teach us to examine ourselves. So here's the method. Uh, I think on the back of that page or on the, what you've seen on the front of it, it, there is an examination of conscience. Now, the interesting thing about this examine of uh, Ignatius of Loyola is that it, uh, it takes many, many forms. It mutates according to the need uh, of the day, but the basics are always systematically the same. So, I'm going to take this particular one, which was uh, developed by the Jesuits of South Africa. Uh, Jesuits, maybe not everybody knows what that that there's a link between Jesuits and the. Uh, and uh, uh, Ignatius of Loyola. Ignatius of Loyola was the founder of the Jesuit order in about 16-something, maybe 1500. I'm I'm not sure the exact date, actually. (coughs) Excuse me. So let's go through this. (coughs) Excuse me. I'll just... um, I mean, you don't have to look at your page, but the basic points that the Jesuits of, of South Africa are bringing to us will follow the same design that's on, uh, on your paper under the section of examine. It's meant that we would come into this and give it a short time, not a long time. Uh, the intention is take 10 minutes, take 15 minutes. You can do it at the end of your day, ideally because you get the chance to look at what just happened in your day and you, uh, in the few hours that have just passed so how do you do it well number one recall that you're in the presence of God this write up puts it this way no matter where you are hilltop or valley country or city in a crowd or alone you are a creature in the presence of God in the midst of creation. The creator who called you forth is concerned for you. The spirit of God sent by Christ will remind you that you are gifted to help bring creation to its fullness, to restore it to the creator's way, to do his holy work, Ask the Holy Spirit to let you look on all you see with love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It does not rejoice in wrong, but rejoices in right. Love hopes all things. Let's take a moment to enjoy the presence of the God who is love. Second, Ignatius asks us to give thanks to God for favors received. Pause and spend a moment looking at this day's gifts. Recall the taste of jam on toast, the fragrance of a flower, the smile brought forth by a kind word an act of patience that someone that gave someone ease take stock of what you received and gave notice these clues that guide your living now look at your more permanent gifts that allow your participation in this day. Recall your particular strengths in time of difficulty, your ability to hope in times of weakness, your sense of humor and your life of faith, your intelligence and health, your family and friends, God the Father gives these to you to draw you into the fullness of life. The Father sent his Son, Jesus, to assure us that God's kingdom is being established. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to guide and sustain us as we receive and bring life to others. So we can pause and give thanks for that. Third, he recommends that we examine how we are living this day. Recall the events of your day. Explore the context of your actions. Review the day, hour by hour, searching for internal events of your life. Look through the hours to see your interaction with what was before you. Ask what you were involved in and who you were with, and review your hopes and hesitations. Many situations will show that your heart was divided. Wavering between helping and disregarding, scoffing and encouraging, listening and ignoring, rebuking and forgiving, speaking and silence, neglecting and thanking. See the opportunities for growth in faith, hope, and love and how you responded? What moved you to act the way you did? Notice where you acted freely, picking a particular course of action from the possibilities that you saw. See where you now sense you were swept along without freedom. This method is to give you habits of freedom. What habits helped or hindered you? See where Christ entered your decisions and where you might have paused to receive his influence. Test yourselves, St. Paul urges. See whether you are living in the faith. Examine yourselves. Perhaps you yourselves do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you. His influence comes through his people, the body of Christ. His influence comes through scripture, the word of God. Now, as you pray, Christ's spirit will help you to know his presence and concern. As you daily and prayerfully explore the mystery of yourself in the midst of your actions, you will grow more familiar with your spirit. You will come to know that Christ is in you. Christ will continually invite you to love your neighbor as yourself and strengthen you to do this. Number four, pray words of reconciliation and resolve. The word of God is very near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart for your observance. See, today I set before you life and prosperity, death and disaster. Choose life, speaks the prophet. Now, having reviewed this day of your life, look upon yourself with compassion and see your need for God and try to realize God's manifestation, manifestations of concern for you. Express sorrow for sin, the obscuring darkness that surrounds us all, and especially ask forgiveness for the times you resisted God's light. <clears throat> Give thanks for grace, the enlightening presence of God, and especially. Praise God for the times you responded in ways that allowed you to see, better see, God's life. In these acts of sorrow and gratitude, you grow in knowledge of God's gentle labor within you. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, says the Lord. The final step is looking ahead. Maybe it's best not to look too far. One day is enough. I've got some things coming up tomorrow. I've got some difficulties I'm expecting to face. What is it that comes to mind? With what spirit do I want to move forward? What grace should I ask God for? That's it. We probably did it in about 10 minutes. And he recommends that we do it daily. Actually, Ignatius of of Loyola said that it was the most helpful way to pray that in all of his prayer activities during the day, and I think he enjoyed a lot of prayer activities during the day, but this one, he said, was most helpful in bringing change to his life. So perhaps that will be a similar experience for you. Um, uh, In this little book that was loaned to me by Joel, uh, like the South African one that I read to you, this offers a number of them, almost every other page. It's, it's interesting. He emphasizes different aspects of the self-examination in about 20 or so uh, possible ways of, of doing this. Obviously, you don't need any help for this. All you need to do is go through the four steps by yourself, and they're listed on the back of the sheet, and... and uh, Perhaps you'll find this understanding from the good Saint Ignatius to be helpful for your prayer. That's it.